Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe, and today with me I've got Gary Lane. What's up, Gary? Hey, Grant. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your department. Um, sure. Uh, so, let's see, about myself and my department. Uh, so, real, I guess, so real quick about me, I uh, started as a volunteer um, in 1997, I've bounced around a couple different states, different departments, volunteer, part-time, and then uh, landed a career uh, job with my current department in my hometown of Kent, Ohio. And that would have been um, a little over 17 years ago. So, uh, so that's kind of me. Um, my department is, uh, it's, it's small. So let's uh, I'll just say that it's a small place in Northeast Ohio, uh, a little college town, uh, about 25 square miles, uh, 40 to 50,000 people, depending on the day of the week. And then um, we've got two firehouses and uh, let's see, how do you make this quick? Um, basically our minimum staffing is seven people a day split between the two firehouses. Uh, Station one with four, station two with three. And then um, we also cross-staff because <laughs> we're all medics. So we also cross-staff all the ambulances, provide all the ALS for our city. And of course, as you well know how Ohio works, um, a lot of mutual aid stuff going on as well. So with that, uh, those, those guys, uh, we bounce around on shift quite a bit. So you may hang your, your gear on the, on the door of the med unit. Um, but, uh, you know, the call comes in and it's for a car crash. Well, maybe the, the other firehouse takes their med unit and you end up hopping on the heavy rescue. So, uh, next call comes in, you're on the ambulance. The next call comes in, you could be on the back <laughs> of the dive truck. Um, you could be on a tower ladder, a quint. I mean, it's, um, I, I don't know, man, we've got, Oh, we've got more than 12 pieces of apparatus. I think if you count all the light vehicles, it's like 15 or 16 pieces of equipment to pick from and uh, seven guys minimum. So we, we run with eight or nine once in a while, depending on time off, injuries, vacation, things like that. But uh, seven's our minimum. So what do you guys usually get on a house fire? Uh, single family residential. What are you guys getting? <laughs> so uh well because we do ambulance and because uh how we function for calling guys back in um on, on overtime for emergency stuff and um calling mutual aid in um it's a mixed bag so we could have eight guys roll out the door right off the bat if everyone's in quarters that's pretty sweet uh, we could have seven that's happened many many times um but then also if the ambulance is out um, we could have two guys out in the ambulance, which drops us to five rolling in. And, um, depending which ambulance that is, uh, you could have one guy coming in basically an SUV and the other guys coming on a, on a fire truck. You could have two guys coming on a fire truck from one station and three. It, it, it's crazy. I mean, there's probably more consistent roles in a dice game <laughs> than what, what we got going on. Um, but uh, if everyone's in quarters, we'll, we'll just say seven. 
uh, or eight, because those are the most common numbers we work with, then we would roll out, we'll say typical house in our city would be a two and a half story balloon frame. And we would roll, uh, if we were working with eight, we would roll uh, four, three to four. Um, let, me th let me back up, let me think about this. Three out of station two, because uh, it only houses three guys, three out of station two on an engine. And then if we had four guys at station one, um, all four would probably go on the 75 foot quint. If we had five guys at station one, it's a toss up. One guy, the, the officer may hop in an SUV and just bolt. And then the other four guys would bring that 75 foot uh, quint. But again, <laughs> there's a lot of moving pieces, man. So I, I wish I could give you a better, shorter answer. You guys get any auto aid or is it all callback or mutual aid? Uh, I believe right now, and it changes, it seems like it changes almost every year. Right now, I believe if they are getting multiple calls and someone actually sees fire at the, when they receive the call at dispatch, I believe they're dispatching us and automatically dispatching uh, one of the mutual aid engines, but that's, they're not getting toned at the same time. It's still like a, Hey, pick up the phone and they're quickly calling them. So it's almost automatic. Most of the time it, uh, it it's us requesting, Hey, drop the first alarm or fill out the first alarm or fill out the second alarm. Mavis box is uh, Mavis is a mutual aid box alarm system thing we have. At least in my area, I don't know what other people call it. So with such a hodgepodge of may come, may not come, how do you guys prioritize fire ground assignments and where's the, how's that search culture fit in with Kent? Yeah, so it's probably, you know, depending who you talk to at my, my department is probably a little more prioritized. I mean, they do break it down. You know, this city is sending an engine, this city is sending a truck company. Um, but those cities all function similar to how we function. So, <laughs> you know, the other day we had, um, they, they said they, they toned out a, a fire scene on a balcony in a seven story building, seven story apartment building. They had fire showing at the balcony on the sixth floor, I believe. Well, I'm at the hospital in the med unit. <laughs> Parked next to our ambulance at the hospital is the mutual aid company who's supposed to be coming in with the truck company <laughs> well, two of their guys are at the hospital in the med unit. So they only got four guys. Well, two of them are at the hospital. So there's our mutual aid company. And that's the whole thing is just, it's crazy when you try and explain it. So with that being said, if you said, Hey, you're going to get your, you know, your two rigs, your, your plain Jane fire engine from station two, your 75 foot quint truck engine thing from station one, and that's our city is sending that. And then you're going to get another engine from your West uh, mutual aid company on the West end. Um, there's another engine coming. And then you have probably one truck and an ambulance also coming from somewhere else. But again, again, I know this is crazy and going on too long. <laughs> Maybe they're rolling in with two, maybe they're coming with three or four and until they show up, it's, it's kind of an unknown. So 
So your company uh, arrives on scene. Uh, what do you get? What are you guys doing first? You put water on the fire and then searching. You split in that those duties up. You doing it together? What's yeah. That? So so again, we'll assume both rigs are rolling in for for what our city response is. So um, first, do typically would prioritize uh, prioritize um, stretching a line and um, get getting that nozzle in. Second, do would prioritize. Uh, search or uh, possibly helping with that line if it's needed, but they should hopefully, depending who you talk to, uh, they should be bumping into uh, a search mode pretty quick. Um, why don't we talk about specifically you and your searches? What are you taking with you on your search? Uh, so if, if, I, if I'm going to be right in that position, uh, for me, it's uh, hopefully a Halligan um, and then uh, a flashlight, so I, which, of course, I have a flashlight usually clipped on my gear, so that's easy to remember that. Um, if I happen to be riding in a, a weird spot for the day as a, like an extra guy, if we happen to be running five, I might actually clip a second flashlight um, to my gear. Uh, but typically a Halligan, um, if the irons go up to the door, I'd probably break them loose, leave the axe at the door, and just take the Halligan inside. And then, uh, you know, if, you, if you're uh, getting a real creative, you might also potentially have a, a hook come with you too. But again, there's a chance it gets left at the front door. So I say generally speaking for myself, uh, I'd like to have, uh, you know, a bar and a, and a flashlight. And just go. Um, cool. and that's, that's, yeah, 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 that's not typically a question I ask, but uh, no, people might recognize the name, and you're quite a fire nerd, and, and sometimes people just want to know what are you going to take. Sometimes I think well, we like, fall into the trap of taking too much crap with us, and and I do. <laughs> I, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I've I've been an absolute yard sale between the rig and the house trying to carry a twenty four, a fourteen, a Halligan, a hook. I got shit dangling off of me, and five feet from where I actually want to put it, it all explodes in the yard. So I definitely have been guilty of that. Um, I, I don't have much luck with thermal imagers for whatever reason. They don't like me. Um, but if I'm riding the iron seat, um, I do at least make the effort to take it. Um, it it's a, like it clips on with like this extending lanyard thing. So it makes it a little bit easier to swing around, I guess. But um, I... You know, I made a joke to a, a guy yesterday I talked to, and I said, dude, if I had my way, I wouldn't take anything. I'd have, I'd have a flashlight clipped on my coat, and I wouldn't take anything. No, no tool, nothing. Um, and not I would even, just search Not even mind. a demo hog, huh? No, not even a demo hog. Not, not even Dang. a, uh, yeah, a, a spud bar or, uh, yeah, a hydrant wrench. Um, no, I, and, and, of course, that's a joke. You got to take something. But I, I think the more you can get your hands out feeling um, – and, and a flashlight looking that, you know, that bottom foot on the floor, uh, the better off we're, we're, we're going to be with our searches. Nice. All right, but Gary, that's also uh, specific to my, my district, you know, so. Cool. Why don't you take us back to uh, your grab and, and let's talk about that call. Okay. Um, well, it's not going to be, it's not going to be quite as awesome as some of the ones you've had on the show. Uh, so hopefully no one has their expectations set too high here. 
Um, so this was, I actually got my little notebook out here uh, so I can actually tell you the details. Um, January 1st, uh, New Year's Day of 2018. So this is almost uh, three, almost three years ago, uh, just before 10 a.m. And it was about 10 degrees outside. I actually wrote that in here for some reason. Um, we actually had uh, five guys working at Station One that day, probably because they were getting holiday pay. And um, I happened to be the fifth guy. Um, we had our lieutenant was running the show that day at Station One. And then um, over at station two, we had our normal three guys and one is a fireman. He was an acting officer that day. And then we had a guy from a different shift uh, who had done a trade uh, who doesn't normally work with us. And then uh, the other regular firemen. So eight guys work in total between the two firehouses. So cooking breakfast, New Year's Day and um, gets toned out. It came in as uh, uh, it was like a trouble alarm or something. It, it came in as an oddball alarm. And they, uh, you know, didn't, didn't really say anything. No, no additional information. You've got an automatic alarm basically at this building. And the building is a five, I think it's five stories. Maybe it's six. God, that's awful. I can't remember. Um, I think it's a five story uh, and it's a senior citizen apartment building. Of course, we go there quite a bit on medical, so you know the building pretty well. We've also had fires there before. So um, as we're heading out, they said that now they're receiving a, another call and um, saying that someone sees smoke in the back of the building. And so we're on, we're on the way at this point, and this is probably a, a two-minute response from the firehouse. And then um, we, uh, I'm on the rig that's first due, and I'm riding like the extra seat for us. Um, which for me isn't real common for whatever reason. I've always seemed to either be in the, the nozzle seat or the iron seat over the course of my time at Kent. Um, but that day I was in the extra seat. So no, no big deal. So um, get there. I don't see anything. Uh, we can see three sides of the building as we pull in. I don't see anything. I'm looking out the window. Uh, my Lieutenant afterwards said he, he thought he saw smoke on the back and, and that's cool. I, I didn't see it, but he says he's it. That's fine by me. We pull up, park in front of the building, and um, the cam man and irons man pop off, and they they scoot inside, and I come off the back, and um, I was going to grab, uh, basically, um, coming around the back of the rig, I was going to grab something, and I'm like, man, something doesn't feel right. Well, here you go. This is real, real class act here. Um, I totally forgot my helmet on the truck. So it tells you right off the bat what a, 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 an idiot I am. So just take that with a grain of salt. So I catch it. I go back, um, grab my helmet real quick. And the, the reason I had forgot it was because the, the extra seat has a real low ceiling. And so it's difficult to wear your helmet while you're on the way. And I just total, totally screwed that up. So I lost a couple seconds there. Um, go back, grab my helmet, grab the uh, the hook, and uh, had a halligan and a hook, and and shoot inside. So catch up uh, with the guys. And right as I walk in, um, you know, a couple outside common doors into a, a common area on the first floor, and um, to the left, the 
hallway doors that are normally open because we go there all the time for medicals, they're shut. And I, I, it, it, it tells you how sometimes you, you get complacent. You're just like, you're, you're playing catch up to these things. So um, I'm like, oh, that's weird. I wonder why those are shut. <laughs> this is, I'm just being honest. Um, and as I'm thinking that, the, the door comes open and, and smoke comes pumping out because my lieutenant takes a peek. And the cam man and irons man, they're, they're already masking up. And I'm like, you know, so I, I'm like, just it shows you what an idiot I am sometimes. So I play catch up. I luckily I, I do practice masking up quite a bit. Um, and so I was able to catch up within like a second of masking up be, because I, my mask up time is pretty fast, I guess. Um, at this point they'd been saying that uh, it was room, you know, one Oh three. I don't remember what the room was. It, Fires in room 103, 103, 103. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going for room 103. So visibility was maybe two feet in front of you was about visibility. And this is a center core hallway. And um, you had to almost get up on the door to see the apartment numbers, um, like just real close, get your face right up in there. And I find 103, uh, the door happened to be open. I open it up and it's clear as day top to bottom. I'm like, well, I feel like the fire's not in this one. Uh, I called out fire department. I walked in like 10 feet, did a quick lap. No one's in there. And I came right back out. I probably didn't need to do that, but you know, again, lesson learned for me. So uh, I end up going a little bit further down the hallway and the, the other two guys had found the fire department. And uh, basically, you know, when the black smoke gets blacker, uh, that's probably the apartment. So just maybe as a, a tip for me to take home from that, when the black smoke got blacker, that, that, that meant we were there. So they had just got in and I can hear them hitting the fire. They had the, a can, no hose line was stretched at this point, just a, a can and, and hand tools. Um, I think one of them had a, a thermal imager. Uh, I can't remember that part. Um, I didn't have one. So, uh, but I bump into them. I'm like, Hey, what do you guys need? And they're like, Hey, we think we got it. There's uh, a couch is burned up. There's a bunch of stuff burned up right here. And I can kind of see the um, outline, you know, like the fireman outline, the helmet against the backdrop of like a, you know, a, a giant picture window. So, you know, visibility wasn't great. They had gotten a hit. Most of the smoke is moving into the hallway. And then there's just, this giant bright lit up picture window behind him. So I can kind of make out a shape of a fireman in front of me. And this all happens over, you know, this is probably like 10 or 15 seconds. And I'm literally like, dude, so embarrassing. Um, I'm standing there and I'm like, okay, well, what do you guys need? And I got on the, I think I called on the radio and I said, Hey, we, we have a hit on the fire. Uh, as of right now, I think they asked, do you need the hose line in there? And I think I said, hold, hold up on the hose line. I think we, we got it with the can. Well, over this 10 or 15 seconds, I'm not searching. And again, it, it's totally my fault. Um, I just had a slip and, uh, in, in the dark near zero visibility, you know, I, and here you go. I'm standing off to my left. I hear somebody cough and I'm the first thought I had was, man, I cannot believe our lieutenant's in here without his mask on. How does he do it? And um, I was like, this has got to be bad for, and then it, 
and I'm literally thinking, I was like, I caught myself. I'm like, no, that's, that's not a lieutenant. That's a victim. I go, and I, I, I literally said, hey, guys, there's a victim in here. So, of course, I'm standing like an idiot. I immediately drop uh, into a crouch position. I move, move towards the cough and bump right into a dude's crotch. Um, like, <laughs> so, so, not, not real glamorous. Okay, I get it. So a familiar place. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. So bump right into the dude's crotch. Uh, I come up, uh, you know, my face piece on his belly come up and he's all just like burned up. I mean, I, I catch his face right in my mask and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> he's all burned up standing against a wall. And other than other than that single cough, dead silent, standing against the wall in the fire room, probably. 10 feet, 15 feet from, you know, the, the, the couch is burned to the ground the, or, the, or the chair or whatever, whatever it was. The, the, the carpet's burned up. The fucking smoke detectors melted off the wall. Like it, it was hot, you know, <laughs> it was a fire. And um, so I, I, uh, I, I get right in the guy's face and I just said, can you walk? And he just, he's like just staring at me like a zombie and I like kind of like shake him. I'm like, can you walk? And he kind of gives me like a, you know, a head nod, uh, a head nod. And um, almost just like, you know, if you're, you're trying to talk to a hammered drunk person, basically is how I, I would describe it. And I got his arm over my shoulder and I, I gave him the, the best hug I could. And I was like, start walking, let's go. And, um, you know, from where he was at to where the door of the apartment was at to get into the common hallway, this is probably... 15 feet. So a, a quick little turn right past and, and down this little opening into the common hallway. Uh, so he's basically barely got his feet underneath him. Um, again, if you have one of your buddies and he, he weighed about 250 pounds and had too much to drink and you were trying to help him w walk into the house and, and, and get into bed, that's about what, what happened. So again, nothing real glamorous. Um, as I was coming out the door, another fireman was coming in from the other, um, you know, the, the acting officer from the second arriving rig uh, was trying to come in the apartment door and he's, he, you know, and was like in my way and I might have politely <laughs> asked him to move. Uh, all right. I might've said, Hey, get, get the F out of the way. And he's like, well, do you need help? And I said, no, just get the F out of my way. And, uh, and we, we, we pushed through and we're probably, I don't know, 30 feet from the uh, smoke doors in the, in the center core common hallway that go out into the main area of the apartment. So um, I got the guy and he's like kind of getting like, you know, a little sloppy and I'm just like, come on, you're doing great. Like talking to him the whole time. Like you got to go, you got to go keep, keep walking. You're doing great. Like that type of a thing. And, uh, basically slam open, you know, and push through the, the smoke doors. And, um, actually it's pretty funny cause there's a, a police officer <laughs> was there right as the doors blew open. And I, after the fact, I, I thought just how ridiculous that must've looked to him. Like he, the door flies open and out of the smoky hallway comes a fireman <laughs> hugging hugging uh you know a half naked burned up dude and uh anyway i just thought that was kind of funny uh got him into the common hallway um or, or the uh common front area 
there's uh, like a, a chair there flopping in the chair. Our Lieutenant um, was right there. And I said, Hey, we got a burn victim right here. I said, can you, can you take him? I'm going back. And uh, he's like, yeah, we got him. And um, I think I had called on the radio at some point while I was trying to walk down the hallway. I think I had actually called out on the radio. We got a victim coming out too. But uh, yeah, man, that was, that was pretty much it. He went to, he went to the burn unit for, I think about two weeks. And they uh, initially said he didn't think he was going to make it. And then um, about two weeks later uh, he did. So he, he's alive walking around somewhere else now. So he made it. So uh, that, that's it. So nothing fancy. Um, unfortunately to report no, no fancy drags or anything done. Nothing too wild out of window. So Sometimes I think this is the more common uh, victim removal than, than some of the fancy ones that we hear on here. Um, I know you're real good at describing what you were thinking inside the, the mind of Gary Lane. Um, time-wise, all, all those thoughts I'm sure were very time-compressed, but time-wise from arrival till removal, what do you think that was? Uh, let's say... From the rig to the common hallway door, 20 seconds, 20 seconds for everyone to be masked up, 30 seconds to find the apartment, another, you know, 20, 30 seconds of in there messing around. And then that's when I heard the cough and bumped into the dude. So I don't know, let's say two minutes, get, get right around probably. Yeah. So from the time that, yeah, from the time the parking brake hit, including my little helmet fumble, um, I bet we were probably right around two minutes. Very cool. Um, and, you know, it didn't go exactly how you had planned, uh, but definitely some takeaways on this. Um, For sure. You know, number one takeaway that I, I catch on this is shut the hell up and listen. <laughs> uh, the coughing is a tip and you know, we say it a lot. That's a good thing to throw in when you're doing uh, search training and something. And let there be a reward. If have a victim cough, and if the firefighters go to towards the cough, that's a win. That's really what we want. Um, so, yes. What else? What else do you think out of this one that made a difference now in, in how you teach or or how you do? Um. Well, one, I and I, I of course I got my little notebook here. Um, so the very first thing I wrote down after I, I wrote down a brief description of, of the fire, um, the very first thing I wrote down is number one, don't get complacent because I feel like I, I, I take it for granted. I'm going to be riding the nozzle seat or I take it for granted that I'm going to be riding the iron seat. And I hadn't really wrapped my mind around what I would do if I was riding this extra firefighter position, which is insane to think, <laughs> that that would happen. Uh, but I wrote number one, don't get complacent. And, uh, you know, luckily I may, I guess I made up for my slip with the helmet. I made up for my slip with, you know, little things where I'm losing a second here and a second there. I think I bought back some of that time by, uh, having practiced so much by masking up. So, and I know other people have talked about that many times. Um, being quick at masking up buys back time. It buys back, it potentially buys back a large chunk of time, 30, 30 seconds, 45 seconds for some people. Um, 
that you're buying back and giving to the situation then or potential victim. Um, another thing I wrote down here, number two, do the basics every time and do them right. Uh, that probably speaks for itself. Um, number three, I put slow down, take a second and think, then start moving. Um, and so a couple, just little notes to myself to, I guess, talk about, but for takeaways for anybody, I would say, um, the bowl in the China shop approach is really fun. It maybe isn't the best, <laughs> the best, uh, way to expend energy and use your time. Uh, you know, there's a time to work and, and, and get after it, but there's a time I think much more often to do a little bit of work, take a pause, take advantage of that pause, stop, look around, get low, remember what the hell you're writing seat assignment supposed to be doing. Hopefully you've practiced it ahead of time. And then, uh, and listening is just huge. Um, I don't think we're using our ears enough and there's too much shit going on around us. Um, you know, people are calling out fire department. Is anybody there? But then they're immediately doing more stuff. They're not actually taking a few seconds to listen. Um, you know, there, there's a lot like that going on, but I don't know if that answers. Oh, it's awesome. A stuff. little bit. You, you talked about slowing down and you came, we had you down to teach a class uh, for us in, in Florida at my department. And one thing I remember you saying was, you know, stop, stop practicing moving so fast and think about being in a hotel room, strange city, and how fast you move to the bathroom in the middle of the night. It's slow because you don't want to stub your Correct. toe. That has absolutely Correct. stuck in my head. Uh, yep. From the moment you said that. Yeah. And I still, and I still say it to this day. Um, you know, if y y anybody with little kids, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the night and uh, you know, you're, you're tiptoeing around cause you don't want to step on a friggin' Lego. Um, you know, uh, same thing. I, I, I still say it to this day. Um, you know, the, to me, the speed comes from, you know, things like being all, you, you know how to force the door. So that's a time saver. Um, you're quick at masking up. That's a time saver. You have an idea for your top three most likely ways to stretch. That's a time saver. Um, so the chaos uh, of the situation is always going to eat up some time. So all these other little things, the more you practice them, uh, the more you buy back some of that time when those little things do creep up. Well, Gary, I appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, I appreciate our friendship and, and how into the fire service you are and, and your willingness to share. Um, if anybody wants more of Gary, we did a, we did a podcast a while back on journeyman, uh, where you could hear about 90 minutes of talking. That was fun. We should probably do it again at some point. Um, but if you make a grab or assist, alive or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com and take that short survey. This is information for us and by us, uh, and it's updated real time. If you want to share your grab story on our podcast, and it doesn't have to be anything fancy, we just like to hear these as much as possible. And our goal is to get them out once a week, uh, but that requires you guys to reach out to us. And you can reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe. Um, Justin McWilliams or Nick Ladine and in the notes for the podcast, it'll have our contact information or find us on the book of the faces as Justin would say. Uh, but we appreciate everybody listening. Thanks again, Gary. Thank you. Oh,